This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Yo, it is the fifth episode of the High Hopes Podcast. I'm James Seltzer. With me, Mr. John Marks. Afternoon show of the John Marks and Ike Reese show. Uh, Mr. Marks, what's going on, buddy? Yeah, I feel high right now as for Ooh. for high hopes. Were we getting high and no one told me? I wasn't. Hell, no, man? I wasn't. I just feel high. <laughs> I wasn't getting high. But no, like it's it's the Monday. We're recording the Monday after Thanksgiving. And boy, like Wednesday, I started getting like the cough. By Thursday, I had the cough. By Friday, I had everything and the cough. By Saturday, you know what I mean? And then today, it, was, it finished off of my stomach. But I feel like, you know when you, you get over the flu? Oh, yeah. And you feel like great to not have the flu yeah, again? It's like That's ev- how I'm starting wonderful. to feel. It's like, wow, I feel normal again. That's a beautiful So I'm thing. starting to feel normal again. And by the way, if I would have had to take another bowel movement, you would have had to hold my hand in the bathroom, Jack Fritz. That's how bad my stomach was hurting. Yeah. I, I just couldn't physically do it. It would have been so I'm painful. I'm really happy that that didn't happen. No, if it did have to happen, <laughs> that's what producers are for, Mr. Mr. Jack Fritz would be in charge of holding your hands. I didn't say you, James. That's I respect exactly for right. you Thank as you, the sir. leader and the co-host Thank of this you, show. Thank you, sir. Okay. Mr. Fritz, what's up, buddy? I was watching high school tape today for prospects, so <laughs> I'm ready for this podcast, to say the least. We will be talking practically no high school pitching. Yeah, don't. But Please don't. Well, Fritz, we'll give you a little if chance you, if to you toss need a name me, or two If you need there. me, I'm here. No, but like we it. will as we approach. Well, Rule Five's coming up, so yes. that's that's the next big thing that's coming up because the Phillies do have some some players that they can lose that overall to their system they just they've they have such great depth that they're going to lose players that are probably major league players in the future uh, but we'll see yeah one player they're not losing Mark Appel back with the Phillies who's excited not Mark Appel round two baby well here's the thing he'll one day make the majors former number one pick was involved in the uh, in the Kenny Giles trade like when it when it, you're looking at more the number one pick than anything what he did in the minors yep. and then he came here and he actually had a good start but it was really smoke and mirrors it wasn't he doesn't have great stuff he doesn't have the velocity he doesn't have great stuff um and if you if you hear that beeping happening <laughs> during the show I I'm diabetic fine. I have a diabetic diabetes pump and the damn thing's beeping and I don't have the receiver I left it at Chicky and Pete's. And someone's bringing it back here to me. So I'm just going to have to rip it off my arm. But when you rip it off your arm, it, it won't stop just a, a solid beep. Strong. So I'd have to go bury it in a trash can or yeah. something. See, and this but beeping, anyway. normally a good thing, but in this case, you know, not an issue. So, so far, I've totally control. destroyed the show. We're trying to talk about baseball. I'm talking about <laughs> bowel movements, my diabetes pump. Dude, well, Jack did talk about high school players, that's so that's worse. That's what we like to do. Yeah, that is worse. That is worse. I'll take bowel movements over high school players. I'm not going to be able day. to deal with this thing beeping, so I'm just going to have to rip it off my arm right now. Uh-oh. Uh oh! Wow. This is happening live on the well. podcast. If only we had video for this. Go for um, it. Oh, look at that! It is coming off, folks. This is real in real time. 
By the time they listen to this, though, Jack, everyone, you should have seen Jack's face. Oh, my God. Jack's face. It was like Jack was just looking at that like you literally were, were taking a piece of shit. And like, oh, I can't, can I say that? We got to remember to bleep that. <laughs> Taking a piece of you know what and, and shoving it like, I it was like in his blood, face. Honestly. Like he's never seen anything that disgusting I don't know, in his I never life. Saw it, I don't know what it looked like. No, it has insulin in it, but that little thing right there goes in my arm. It's a catheter. Is that the prick thing? Yeah, so that's just when I activate it, it goes and it goes in my, and then it doesn't come off until I take it off three days later or until I rip it off by accident, which happens quite no. a bit as well. No. No. All right, so <laughs> diabetes, bowel movements, more diabetes. The flu. You see what a mess my freaking life is? <laughs> all right, I'm, re- I'm ready to go. All right, let's talk some serious base. Let's talk <laughs> about war. We're going to really have to talk about a lot of war to make up for the open of this <laughs> one. All right, so, uh, yes, yeah, uh, Mark Appel. Pretty amazing. The uh, Astros take Appel and Brady Aiken with the number one overall pick. Obviously, got a, a pick back for the whole uh, Aiken thing, but... Pretty amazing. They, and they win anyway. They win anyway. To reconfirm the process yeah. works. How crazy As is that? They, yeah, like, look, uh, I guess Appel was their Jaleel Okafor. Yes. Oh! <laughs> oh! Okay, all right. On. All right. So um, coming up in a bit, we'll talk about a uh, potential new bench coach for the Phillies. Interesting name out there. And uh, look hmm. around the league. The winter meetings coming up December 10th. A lot of action there, including the Japanese Babe Ruth. We'll get to that in just a bit. But let's start. It is our shortstop preview. We've already previewed first and second base going around the diamond there. I know some sticklers out there will say, oh, but third base is five and shortstop is six. We're going around the diamond here, all right? So we yeah, don't shut need up. Any- yeah, exactly. Thank you. All right, so let's jump in. I think when we when we do the shortstop preview, I think it pretty much clearly comes down to one kind of thing here. Freddie Galvis versus J.P. Crawford. I think from all of us talking, we're all on the J.P. Crawford long-term bandwagon. But, John, starting off now, where this team is at, kind of heading into this offseason and then heading into next season, do you think their approach will be to kind of keep Crawford at third base and moving around and use Freddie at short for another year? Or do you think they're just going to say, you know, cut cut ties one way or another with Freddie as the shortstop or Freddie altogether and move J.P. in? I... It, it... Knowing what the the analytics and the type of player that this administration is looking for, J.P. Crawford is the shortstop that they want to they want for the future. It's not about batting two forty with great uh, defense and high strikeouts and some pop like Freddie Galvis has. Um, batted two fifty five last year, but it, with that being said, I think you're a better team with Freddie Galvis at. at shortstop and J.P. Crawford at third base than with uh, J.P. Crawford at shortstop and with Franco at third base. So unless they're wowed or they feel like that they're getting real value in an offseason trade for Freddie Galvis, they'll explore it, and they should. I'm okay with him being the starter next year as long as J.P. is allowed to continue to do the second base shortstop, third base carousel to where he's getting at bats. I don't want to see him back in AAA for another year. And I, if he's going to be up here, he needs to be getting at least semi-regular at bats, which means he's playing four times a week. So I'm okay with Freddie Galvis. I like Freddie Galvis as a player. If you know, they he, they extend him for a year or something, I, J.P. Crawford's not your long-term answer at third base. You need power from that position. So he's a good short-term fix. But... I'd be shocked if this administration didn't want J.P. Crawford as the shortstop starting next year, all else being equal. Yeah, that's the way I feel, too. And like you were saying there, I think, you know, when you kind of go through and you talk it out, you kind of realize that I think it's more likely than not that they'll start the season with J.P. at shortstop and just 
clean cut, start him there and move forward. I do think that, really? that going a step, that would be my guess. And look, I don't, this is this, I could absolutely see him starting with Freddie and moving JP over, but. One way or the other, I think you kind of hit on some there. J.P. Crawford has to play every day. Like, not four days a week, not five days a week. He has to be in the lineup every single day and play as many games as possible. We've talked a lot about it. In the majors? Yes, in the majors. He has to get those major league reps. He has to get that development. Look, here's the thing. If he comes to spring training and goes, you know, oh, for for 30 or something like that, then it's the kind of thing where you have to maybe reevaluate just because he's that ice cold. But I think that the plan coming in will likely be hopefully for JP. And look, I think we've seen enough from him in terms of at least getting on base a three, what, 356 clip last season in 23 games in the majors, a career 367 OBP in the minors. He's shown consistently the ability to control a strike zone, to have an approach at the plate. You know, Freddie Galvez had a 309 OBP last year, despite the 255 batting and average. And that's good for him. That, that's great for him. It's the best of his career. And also, the whole pop thing, you know, he only hit 12 home runs last year, and he played 162 games. Kind of carried away a little bit. He had the 120 homer season, but for, that People was the outlier. Remember that. I think that was the outlier, and... You know who knows? Whenever these guys have monster, so you'd be. So hold on a second. You you said you'd be you'd be shocked if JP wasn't the starting shortstop. Does that mean Freddie's still on the team? I here's playing him being the super utility guy or a tradesman? Because I'd be surprised if they started the season. If Freddie's there, I think he's the starter. Well, that's kind of the conundrum, right? That you run into. It's that Freddie feels like he should be the starter. I'm sure if he's here, there's a question at least within the. You don't have a ton of veterans in the locker room, but uh, you know I'm sure there are veterans who say, "Oh, Freddie's our." shortstop or whatever that that type of stuff can happen baseball less so than in other sports but I think that this organization the way they've geared this team up heading into next season is that they want to move this process forward a little bit process being the buzzword there uh they want to move this process forward a little bit here and I think they they want to get these kids out there and really see what they have and and move forward they know that Freddie Galvez is not a part of this long-term plan at least certainly not a part of any sort of you know championship hopes that and he's not I hear a lot of people say this to me well why can't he be your utility guy well because Freddie Galvez is a starting shortstop in this league and he's not going to stick around well no he's a starting he's the starting shortstop any way you slice it in this league defensively well, you you say defensively, but look around at other shortstops, and like not Freddie Galvis isn't gonna Jack isn't gonna right. Not, I, I think Jack's point is valid in the sense that Freddie is not a good hitting shortstop, even for a shortstop, based on the lack of on base percentage, the lack of real you know ability to run the bases at a high level. It's not like he's stealing a ton of bases or causing chaos out there. But I think your point is valid, John, in the sense that he's a good enough defender that he's a starting shortstop in the major leagues. I don't know if, if he's the a- rest of your team around him exactly is what you need from him is hey, listen, bat, two, hit bat 250, hole. right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. Bat 250, hit some home runs, play good defense, be a, a, an important guy. And by the way, the one thing we don't talk about that I do think that, and you can't measure this with any freaking metric or anything, is that he is a positive guy in. In the Absolutely. clubhouse. He's a guy that hates losing. He's a guy that's miffed when he walks in there. During that losing streak, you could see on his face. Well, he called the team out. He was the he only did. guy who called out and said, you know, the people aren't playing hard enough. He's, and, got a heart, he's got a heartbeat. Yeah, and look, he is, like, as far as that stuff goes, he is probably the leader of the team as it's currently comprised. They had the third worst record in baseball. Right. I'm not like saying. Who, like, who yeah. cares? Like, <laughs> well, who cares? I, I agree with John in the sense that, and I think we're seeing it bear out with this Eagles team right now, that I do think there is something to the culture chemistry thing. I don't think it is 
the single defining characteristic of every great team. But or here's anything. the thing: like you're saying that it, it that it doesn't matter because they were a bad team that he was a, a positive influence in the clubhouse. What it shows you is they didn't have talent to win, and that's why they didn't win. And he tried to keep the team together. Now, if you put a good team around him, can he? Can he win? Yeah, he can win because he, it, as long as you're not asking him to do too much, having an influence like that in the clubhouse in particular from a Latino player, depending on what the, the balance of that clubhouse out is, can really help. But, you know, listen, we, we all agree that he's not, the, he's not the shortstop of the future for this team. And if I can make a trade for him in the offseason, I would in a second. Well, and I think that's going to be the biggest thing. If, if Klintak can find someone who wants Freddie Galvis, I think you'll see Freddie Galvis traded. You know, he has more value to them as a piece than he does as a, a, a piece of the future, as it were. What's the, he worth, though? That's a great question. You know, I, I don't think a lot, to be blatantly honest. And know? I wonder if Klintak dishes him. Like, what, you're talking about like a, a C-level prospect, a B-level prospect? Is it worth it? Is Are you well, getting a Major League bullpen arm? Are you getting maybe a fourth outfielder and then a prospect, too? It, it, it all depends. I'm also not going to give him away because one other thing that you could do, James— is that you could hold them a little bit and maybe try to flip them before the trade deadline because there's going to be a team out there that's going to have a, a sucky shortstop or whatever that may want to give up a B-level prospect. You know, it's it's a lot totally. of work to just try to get a little bit better for a player, but Klintak's shown that he wants to do that. Yeah, I agree. I think that, that if you see Freddie get traded for what is at least perceived to be a, a light return— I think it's just that they wanted to clear the way for J.P. Crawford and said, you're our shortstop, there's no distractions here, whatever. And that's the way I would go. It's just like, if you know, and you're not giving them away, and by the way, while Freddie, I'm sure, would love to stay here, he also wants to be a starter in this league. And if he knows he's not going to be the starter, then send him to a good spot where he can start and he can play baseball. And I I think he can start. Like, I disagree with Jack there. He's not a good, you know, shortstop, per se, offensively, obviously, but... I think he's good enough to be one of the 32 guys to start at that position based on the rest of the talent. Fritz is raising his hand, no. freaking out, wanting to talk <laughs> here. No, I, I think he's a starting caliber shortstop, but I think if you're trading him, I'd rather, I think it's going to take an injury to get rid of him. Like an, like a Teddy Bridgewater kind of situation where that's the way you're going to get a better prospect. Like in the offseason, your shortstops are pretty much set around the league. I can't really think of a playoff contending team that needs a shortstop right now. Oh, I agree. I think in season, I think that's a fair point. You're looking I think for an injury. Yeah, in season, you're certainly looking for an injury. And I, I think, you know, off-season teams are still setting their rosters. I think you could find potentially, if if there is someone who's interested, a trade in the off-season for him. But I don't think anybody's going to be going out there and, and – and Banging they, the doors down for free. right, and if he when he when he does become a free agent after 2018, I guess now, mm-hmm. um, I don't think there's going to be people lined up to give a multi-year, forty million dollar contract. But I, there, I I do think he has some value out there, and like I said, if I was the Phillies and you can find a partner, just move on with him so JP can start the season. He should be in the majors this year. I know that he struggled a little bit last year in the minors, but he really came around. He could, and it tells me a lot of shows me a lot about him because that's one of those years people are paying attention to what he's doing. He's one of the top prospects in baseball. He starts terribly, and he's able to turn it around and then get up to the majors in August and September, and he's actually playing well. Yeah, and he had 15 homers in Triple A last year. I think 12 in a month or whatever. Which like he, actually, he hasn't had any exactly. power in the minors, but he's also, and that's the thing. He's only he's going to be 23 in January. He's still really young, can still fill out that body. We've talked about this before, but 
you know, most players don't hit their physical athletic peak until 27, 28 years old. You always hear the, at least in fantasy baseball, the age 27 breakout. Like that's a, you know, one of those things that's a thing. And let me say um, this about him, about his defense. I, I spent doing the the Phillies pregame show this year. I, I was at most of the, well, during the week at least, I was at a lot of the Phillies home games. So being at the games, you talk to everybody that's there every night. You get to know the guys a little bit. I'm not going to mention any names, but a familiar face that I would see down there. Actually, there was a couple of them, one in particular, that became what I call J.P. Crawford haters. Oh, and, yeah. And I and all of a sudden I heard that this guy who was known for being a, being a good defensive player, and not, not Ozzie Smith, but being a good defensive player, and what I saw with my own eyes when I saw him play in the minors was a guy that, that had great feet, great footwork, good good arm, everything that you want out of a shortstop. Athletic. He, well. He's athletic. He's smooth. He, he's natural to the position. And I think you saw that when he played the other positions, that he didn't need to be out there playing a bunch of games to know how to play it. But I heard from a lot of these people that, well, I've talked to scouts that said that he's not an everyday major league shortstop defensively. And I was just like, where, where were these scouts last year when <laughs> yeah, they were right? saying how great he when is he defensively? Was like the number three prospect in baseball or number two prospect in baseball. What happens with gold glove? Never, you know how gold glove winners, like, um, who is it that, that does it? Or who had Bobby Abreu won the gold glove the one year? Rafael Bamero, when he played 27 games in the field. Based on the, your offense, right? I mean, come on. And based on the fact that he right. had won it before and then he's older and becomes a DH and they're like, oh, Rafi, he's a great first baseman. Let's give it to him. Right. These guys don't watch all the games. No. But, I mean, we barely watch. I mean, like most people don't offense watch. Offense is games. good. Yeah, Bobby yeah. Abreu, yeah, he's got a big arm. So I think the same thing happened to J.P. Crawford where a couple people with their agenda got going where he wasn't hitting, and then it became, well, his defense isn't that good either because it countered Freddie Galvis. Freddie Galvis is really good. Jack, I had people for half a season telling me that I was crazy, to th- and, and I said I was steadfast in it. I said, J.P. Crawford's my starting shortstop next year. I don't know what, I don't know what to tell you guys. I don't care what Freddie Galvis is doing this year. It's because these people get quotes. From Freddie Galvis, and they're in the locker room every day. They see all the things he does, all the things he brings to the and team, and they like him. And it's just yeah. like it's like they don't and understand the upside. And, well, and it's all the old school. Like he's a you know, like you were talking about before, John. The, the you know, he's a big part of this locker room, and the guys the look to him and all that type of stuff. Room, yeah. I mean, and again, not naming names, but there were takes that were thrown around out there, and Fritz knows exactly where I'm going. That Freddie Galvis was a better defensive shortstop than Andrelton Simmons, yeah. which is as bad a take. It's like saying that that he was you know, better than Omar Omar Vizquel. Like I had Freddie a call. Galvis is the next yeah. Barry Bonds. Like it's that ridiculous in terms of how absurd it is. How much better Andrelton Simmons? We're talking about potentially other than Ozzie Smith, maybe better than that Ozzie talented. Smith, the best defensive shortstop in the history of the game in Andrelton. Well, Simmons. he's not as good as Jimmy Rollins. How about that? He's not. He's not as good as Jimmy Rollins. I agree with you. I agree with you. And well, that, how about that? Especially the arm too. I mean, he Freddie is a re- has a lot of mobility. He's really good, and he's got a he's good a plus arm. fielder. He's a plus fielder. That's exactly the perfect way to put it. And that's why he is an asset. And I do think that while he is a more valuable asset at shortstop, I also think there could be a contending team where he's just a valuable asset because he's a guy who can play three spots in the diamond. He can play the outfield as we've seen in a pinch. And it's someone who theoretically could go up and knock one out of the park in a pinch hit situation. Agreed. That I think is where he can have some real value to a contender. American League team. Yeah. Um. Can, could DH if they really needed it, not the ideal DH, but yeah, can play, can probably play any position on the and, diamond. But I would guess he could play, you know, other than pitching and catching, he could probably play any position on the diamond yeah. if needed. 
Yeah, he could, he, he could play outfield. He could go over and play first base. He, he obviously could play second base, shortstop, and third. Um, but yeah, so I, I I think the real question and the big question because I I don't know how many I don't know how many Galvis truthers by the end of the year were still <laughs> sitting there saying because even this out there. even this one in particular by September was like oh yeah JP is pretty good so now these wow. scouts these scouts aren't available but um I, I guess the real question is what happens and what does Matt Klintak do. Because you have you have two infielders that need to be moved because you have young, hot prospects behind them, and you don't know if they're going to want to move them for like because everybody else knows that they need to move them yep. too. There's not a lot of value in those cases when you're kind of you know leverage is all on one side. Uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a, it's certainly an interesting comparison, especially um, even kind of more so heading into this season with the Tommy Joseph Reese Hoskins thing from, from last season and how long that kind of drained out. This is a little different. You can't bring up Reese Hoskins uh, right? with Tommy Joseph. Tommy Joseph's in the way. That guy's a great player. God, you know what it is? We just know baseball. The three of us right <laughs> yes, here. The High Hopes podcast just knows baseball. That's exactly there right. Was, there was trade trade JP and, and keep Freddie oh, as a long-term God, shortstop. Stop. There's at least two takes I remember from like people who no. cover the team. I heard trade JP and get something now where you can. Like, and I'm like, hold on, he's 22 in AAA. Exactly. That's very, very young to be an everyday player in AAA. In AAA. Yes. It's like, come on, yeah. man. It's, pe- it's people that don't that don't follow baseball is who's saying that. Yeah, and I think that we also had this thing with the the Mike Trout Bryce Harper thing with those two guys and the ages they came up and how good they were. That it kind of like changed the perception of what people expect top prospects to be like those are two in a billion like those are two generational all-time prospects most guys don't come up at that age and be that dominant that never ever ever happens and yet Very we those two together at the same time and people are like oh well he's a the top prospect in baseball he stinks or what you know what i mean it's it's so it's it really has slanted the view of it and the whole who's the next harper the next trout no one no one is well, the next Harper. The I next actually draft. think what happened with J.P. Crawford last year is a really good indication, uh, and it, it kind of sets it sets real standards for what he's probably going to be in the majors. Because the people that thought he was going to be this game changing player, he was never going to be this game changing player. He doesn't have enough power. He's not gifted on the bases. He's not Jimmy Rollins. You know, like Jimmy Rollins had a higher had a higher ceiling than J.P. Crawford does. But he can be a really important player on a championship-level team, and he can be an all-star type player, but he's also not hes not going to be that type of Jimmy Rollins-type player. I would say it's more of a kind of a tier below that, and he's also not going to suck. The fact that he turned that season around like he did and he was able to come up to the majors at the end of the season and really show fans and the team this kid's for real, so I— it's amazing in such a, it's a, it's such an up and down season with him. Maybe it kind of set people straight to what this guy really can and should be. The yeah. fact that he didn't commit one error at shortstop was important to me, and the three fifty six on base percentage. That's the thing. That's for the me. thing that made the most. Because like, yeah, because that's what we all saw coming up through the minor leagues. Well, and the fact that he's able to do it in the major leagues, I thought it was really important. Yeah, a lot of errors at Triple A. I heard, oh, look at all the errors he had at Triple A, and I'm like, okay, just go, I'm not even going to do it. But go back and Google how many errors Freddie Galvis had when he mm-hmm. was in the minors, and Derek Jeter had 
and Jimmy Rollins had because you're supposed to have errors when you're in the minors yep. and you're learning to be a professional. And there are so many other things that go oh into that. You have to God. cover more ground potentially. You know, the minor league scorekeepers. Like, Who the hell so knows? Exactly. And Who players knows? get bored. Reese Hoskins got That's bored thing. in AAA they, this they year. Do. And they, went through like a slump and like, are we sure we should bring him up? And then he had the most insane home run streak in the ever. history so. of baseball. People get bored. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you there. And I think you guys hit on the OBP for me. At that age, at the levels he's been at, to consistently be in, you know, close to the same walks to strikeouts and to get on base at the level he gets at, that makes me believe that, that like you said, John, like he's got a, a, a very high floor as far as that is concerned. We've yes. already seen him play. He can play defense. Like he's not going to be a zero at the plate. And, and I think if simply because he can get on base, um, I think that ultimately long term, and the upside is much higher. Obviously, I agree with you. I don't think he's going to be, you know, with that tier of young guys right now. I don't think he's Francisco Lindor or Corey Seager or Carlos Correa or those guys. But I think he has a chance to be that next group down, like that next level of, of high-level shortstop. And that is worthy of being that high a prospect. Like if he's a guy like Gene Segura or something, that's an amazing piece to have for your long-term future. He's not, you're not going to win a World Series with him, but you're, you can win a World Series with him and some Reese Hoskins. Exactly, and... which, is your, which is what you need in baseball. You're never going to win a World Series with just one guy anyway. Exactly right, man. So uh, before we move on, uh, last word on the shortstop preview. If you had to guess, you think J.P. Crawford is the starting shortstop come opening day 2018? No. Jack? No. I'll yeah. be the I'll be the shining yes in, think, the, think, in the wilderness. I think it's gonna be Freddie Galvis. I, I think, think he's starting look, at third. I think I think Freddie Galvis is the smart call. I just got a feeling that they wanna they wanna then start, the debate, start out with JP. Then the debate becomes do you keep him at at, at the well, major Franco, league level? I mean, and and four, we're gonna do our third base preview next week, but like in this scenario here, we're basically just shoving Michael Franco out the door, which which I understand. But still, what twenty five, twenty six years old with the twenty four, uh, uh, twenty four with a ton of raw right. ability. Like you still. said, next week we'll really, uh, man. I, I'm exactly. gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring my jeans that roll up easy because we're gonna be in a bunch of bleep. I'm gonna we're bring gonna... Adrian Beltre's third season in the major leagues, and then we'll go from there. I, ooh, all look right. at that! He's making an Adrian Beltre compare. One of the great third basemen of all time. All right, that means it is absolutely time to move on. Uh, before we get to the uh, uh, around the league type stuff, really quickly interesting name pops up in the Phillies bench coach search as the Phillies on Wednesday uh, again it's Monday night as we're recording this on Wednesday we'll interview Rob Thompson uh, who has been with the Yankees the bench coach for the Yankees with uh, with Joe Girardi uh, for the he's been with the Yankees for the past 28 years yep. 10 as a big league coach and also one of five candidates being interviewed for the Yankees managerial position all right you ready um, interesting name here He's, he's not getting the Yankee job, and it makes sense for him. And he knows he's not getting the Yankee job. That's why he's interviewing for, Agree for the bench, bench coach job. You know, I sure. sure. Why, not? Why not? Sure. You want a guy that has experience. You know a guy that's been around the league. You knew that that was going to be a guy that they, they went for. So that's fine. I'm telling you, I'm. it's going to be really fascinating to see Kapler develop in front of us because I have no idea what to expect from him. I have no idea how he's going to be. He's everything that we knew and we talked about before, but it's going to be really interesting to see exactly how that whole process plays itself out. Well, it's kind of and and hopefully much better results. But Chip Kelly ish in terms of the the you know intrigue surrounding him coming in, the different way of going about his business. 
Uh, very interesting. I'm, I am high on Kapler, so I obviously do not think it will play out Chip Kelly style. But I'm with you, and I think Thompson also, coming from the Yankees, working with Girardi, that would be working with a manager who is heavily analytically inclined. I think that's a good fit here, someone who has experience in that type of world, which is going to be important. Fritz, any thoughts on Rob Thompson? He's, he's a name. I don't know, but we didn't do the podcast last week when the Utley stuff came out. Oh, yeah. We forgot to mention the Utley stuff. Chase that came Utley. up afterwards. Yes. Yeah. Good point, Jed. The Utley stuff. Utley thrown in as a potential bench coach uh, candidate as well. It's so Philly it hurts. It's so Philly. My guess is it doesn't happen right away. I think long term maybe Chase is – I think Chase will be a manager or something in that realm in this league if he wants to be. You know, he's so intense. He loves the sport, all that type of stuff. You know, hard worker, all the cliches. I think it would be horrible for Kapler. I think it would be a terrible yes. idea. Terrible exactly for Kapler. Right it makes no all, sense. Every single person that says be like, I want Chase to be the manager. Listen, oh. I, I've in, in my in my sports radio career over the last year, I've taken probably 50 phone calls for Chase Utley <laughs> as the next Phillies manager and 100 phone calls for Brian Dawkins to be oh the Eagles' God. next head coach. And it's like, okay, so he's just going to be the head coach. Like, that's not the way it works. In baseball, though, it, it's shown, especially now, that organizations are very willing to bring in guys that don't necessarily have the quote-unquote managerial the experience. The Astros took a guy straight out of the booth years ago. So would it make sense for Chase Utley? Yes. Does it make sense for this team now with Gabe Kapler? No. Couldn't agree more. I think no. that's, and look, I love Chase. I would love to you see Chase. You need Charlie Manuel in his exactly. prime. You need a manager who has their own cachet, who has their own, you know, um, uh, kind of resume walking in there where no one is going to be saying, oh, the first sign of struggle for Kapler, let's just make Chase a manager. You know, and it's just a bad spot. I agree with you. That's why I don't think it's going to happen. Actually, that's a good idea. I, I do that because I would love to get those calls. Fire oh, Kapler, man. Chase Huntley. Ah! It would certainly bring some excitement, you know, awesome. to Philadelphia. But speaking of which. And by the way, a manager is supposed to be like the master communicator with his players, right? Is Chase Huntley a communicator? No. Like that? I just, I'm not but, sure that. He this, might be more of a locker room communicator. Recently, yeah. been great. Like, like, I think it's one of those things where, like, for all of us, nobody has any idea that he has any personality, this and that. But all the guys on the team are like, oh, Chase the best, man. That dude yeah, like, helped me. Seager talks about how great yeah. of a guy he he is. He is a great guy. He did no, this. He did that. He, he, I think he's changed since he's in, in Philadelphia. I, I, I don't think up. he was any different. I just don't know if we really – like, being a manager is a lot different than just than being a, than being a leader in the clubhouse. I mean, Very much so. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, Look, we'll I think, see what happens. Yeah, I think long term, if Chase is interested in that, he'll have his avenues, his opportunities to do that. And uh, I think for now, John, I think the biggest thing is if you're bringing Kapler in here, you want to give this guy a fair shake from the start. And I think if you have Chase Utley sitting next to him in that dugout, he's never going to get a fair shake. It's a bad idea. Yep, I agree. All right. Uh, speaking of things that could create some intrigue, uh, the Phillies have been in and out on Giancarlo Stanton. Most recent rumors looking like they're out again. Looks like the Dodgers, the new front runners, apparently tops on Stanton's list. Like Stanton's in charge of the whole thing. Oh, well, he uh, is in, a, in I a way. mean, in a way, but not really. Ultimately, whoever's willing to take on that contract or figure out some sort of deal with the Marlins, take on a, a big portion of that contract, is going to be in charge. If the Dodgers aren't willing to do that, it doesn't matter where the hell Stanton wants to go. Uh, but uh, Giants, Cardinals also involved. Yep. Any chance the Phillies? I mean, I do not expect the Phillies to be involved ultimately long term in this. I don't think Stanton comes here. You feeling no. this at all? No. Agreed. No. Uh, I don't know. This there guy. was a, there was talk of a mystery team. 
in that in that same same article you got that from. The Phillies are always a mystery team. Yeah, in my eyes. well, that's true. Well, they were Cliff Lee. <laughs> I do I do think that the mystery team, like if you just line up the you know team A, team B, mystery team, I feel like the mystery team ends up with the player a disproportionate amount of the time. Well, listen, it, would it the would Nationals it, with Jason Worth were the mystery team? Would that? it make sense if from Middleton's perspective or standpoint that he needs something to sell seats and if you bring Stanton in here 59 home runs 280 MVP he's a monster he plays a great outfield people don't talk about that as well he's a he's a really for good his size he's a, yeah, yeah 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 I mean he, absolutely he can, he he can plays make plays right field. I mean you expect him to just be lumbering out there and left to play right field a lot the the contract is an issue and trading anything that the Marlins would feel like is equal value for them just isn't going to happen. So they're going to have to eventually cave and take less than they want because of the contract. They're not going to want to eat any of the money. Um, the, 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 the Phillies are deep in their outfield, at least with their younger players. I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense. And I also know this about the Phillies. If you don't win, people don't come out. So you can get you can get Giancarlo Stanton to come out and hit home runs. If you're not winning games, you're going to have 15,000 people there in September and April. So for Stanton or no Stanton, it's not really going to help you at the box office. Yeah, and I agree with – I think that Middleton, for what it's worth, I mean, all owners want to make money. It's a business, let's be real. It does seem like Middleton wants to win, and it doesn't seem like he's – you know, at least the, the – process or whatever you want he's to call it. He's a wild it. card. Yeah, he's a wild card. And it seems like he's certainly been very supportive so far of of them not pushing all their chips in immediately and kind of doing a little slow burn here. So I can appreciate that. Um, as far as the standing thing goes, it does, it's interesting because it's kind of a similar situation talking about leverage where you really feel like Miami doesn't have a ton of leverage here in this situation. I know Stanton's really good and he just won the MVP, but with that contract... And the fact that this new ownership group coming in, I mean, like, cut salary, this, They're coming that. out and saying that they have to do exactly. it. Exactly. So they're telling like, how every... does that help trade dogs? Well, like, I, I... What you need is you need a couple teams that are interested in them. Exactly. That's, and that's what you need. that's the only way it's going to work, so. And I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't either. I don't either. I, I, I think they're very motivated to get rid of him, but ultimately, you can only sell getting rid of the MVP to your fan base or any fan base or any media or whatever if you get some sort of return back, it can't just be like, well, we got money off the books. And, they're do- and the Marlins are doing it again. You know, exactly. It's, it's well, like, hey, the- let's trade the franchise rinse and, and get repeat, prospects. Man, rinse. At least they got rid of Jeffrey Lurie. I mean, I don't know how good the Derek Jeter group will be as far as ownership goes, but it does not get much worse than Jeffrey Lurie, which is amazing because that dude won two championships and still found a way to be the worst owner in the history of the sport, or at least one of them. It's and he, crazy. And he netted like $2 billion on top of it. What an a-hole that guy is. Um, all right. Uh, I think the most interesting move is the winter meetings again coming up December 10th, so we are creeping closer to the winter meetings here. We'll obviously cover it in the uh, the episodes to come as well. But um, I think the biggest news, and, and it won't happen at the, the winter meetings, though some news might leak out, uh, but the uh, December 21st, officially the first day that Shohei Otani, is that correct? I think I nailed that there. The Japanese Babe Ruth, I know the Otani part is right, uh, pitches, hits, as Jack Fritz will tell us, a better pitcher than a hitter. But really interesting name here, and, and interesting, we'll get into in a sec how the money works, but it's not your classic, whoever pays the most money going to get this guy. So tell, tell, tell everybody how it works. So in this case, because he is under the age of 25, he's 23 years old, uh, he is subject to the uh, international pool of money, is under that guideline. So uh, teams are only have a certain amount of international pool dollars. We've talked a lot about 
Clentag going out and trading for international pool dollars for next season, which we're excited about. And this is the type of situation where having more money can help. Uh, so if you want to see the top teams, uh, of course, the uh, the Rangers at top $3.53 million to spend, followed by, of course, the Yankees at $3.5 million. They are the favorite to land him. Uh, out there, the Twins at three million, the Pirates at two point two million—a big jump there when you think about the percentages here. Giants at one point eight, Mariners, Royals, Marlins, Cardinals, and the Braves at one point two million. So uh, you know this is not a classic. Who can pay him the most money? You know the money is and kind you only of have to pay there. the the team in Japan twenty million dollars, or exactly. they're rene- or they're renegotiating that or well, something. They totally are changing the structure that they used to. It used to be the whole thing where it's all oh, the posting fee and all. Now it is twenty million dollars. The team that gets him that wins the rights that he decides to go to. So he That's has the maximum full 20 choice. Million. The, the right. beauty is that in this case for him, he will at least get to choose his destination where before the team could kind of say, nah, they're not paying us, us enough money. We're not letting you go there. And it could limit the teams that they could actually go to here. Theoretically, a little more open choice. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And his representatives asked that the teams interested in him submit a proposal to him both in English and in Japanese, to why their why their destination would be the best one to go to. You're wondering if the Phillies are in on that. I don't think that they are. He scares me a little bit because as talented as he is, he's also had some of the injury bug. And guys that 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 early, especially like Jack say he likes him as a pitcher. He does both and he wants to he wants to go to a team where he can play both. So it really doesn't make sense for him to go to an NL team if he wants to play the outfield and be a pitcher. Um James, I don't know what you think, but I, I would I, I would love to get a big splash and get and get a Japanese player, a big a star young Japanese player. I don't know if it's the wisest move to make. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think look, obviously if the money is not insane based on this kind of structure, you know, sure, take a shot. I think that any sort of talent you can get in here I'm I'm good with, but I think when you're thinking about, you know, a long term type of deal here, if they, you know, pay this fee and then ultimately sign them to a long term deal, I'm with you. Like I I I generally uh, I I want to see it from the Japanese and foreign guys a little bit more. I've never watched him pitch or play. I'm not going to you know front like I have. I don't get to watch a ton of Japanese baseball, sadly. Uh, but You're not I, watching it like Jack is no, on YouTube Jack's or something? No, Jack's like freaking at 2 in the morning on yeah, you know yeah. some weird site checking out Japanese baseball games. Little League, no less. It's very weird. Um, <laughs> but, but, no, I think, look, it's an interesting thing. I think, I, you know, I don't, I don't get carried away in the whole like Japanese Babe Ruth and all that BS stuff. I think like Jack points out, and Jack, I'll let you in a second tell people kind of why you feel this way, but pick one, dude. Like, I'm sorry. I love the concept, and I do think that baseball is heading towards more, you know, uh, less specialization and people who can do more different things. We're starting to see it with, like, you know, catchers who can pitch. The dude on San Diego, I'm, I'm forgetting his name. Betancourt. Thank you, Betancourt. Uh, like, stuff like that, I think that is that is interesting, and I think the game is somewhat heading that way. But ultimately, like, there's just too much that goes into being a pitcher in Major League Baseball for this guy to be taking reps in the outfield and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I really hope he does because it's uh, it's a cool concept. Like, yeah, I mean, you even see it like in the draft this year. Brendan McKay was a top four pick, and he can go both ways. Hunter Green is supposed to be the next A Rod at shortstop, and he's also a pitcher as well, which isn't true. Like he's a good pitcher, he's not a good hitter. Uh, same thing. It seems like the same thing's going on with Otani. Otani had a thirty percent K rate in Japan, which yeah, is not just good. not a good. It's not good. 
the the power's sometimes there. He's a little skinny for me. I don't think he has the bat speed to really catch up. The pitching's legit. I mean, the guy hits a hundred, and like he's basically Darvish on steroids. Wow! Like he just looks like he looks exactly like Darvish pitches, except like faster, way better. Yeah, like he looks like the real See, deal. See, and I, I'm in on that. Like I can dig on that. Like if you want to go out and get me a pitcher who's Darvish but throws harder, like I can definitely dig that because It'd be so cool to see a two way player. It like would a legit two way player. It'd be really awesome. Would. It'd be it really would. cool. It'd be awesome. Baseball, if we're talking about it. Yeah, a left handed catcher, a left handed hitting or throwing catcher. Yes. And a, a well, I was really rooting for Pat Vended. I love the switch pitcher idea. It's awesome. I think it's awesome. Like it's how awesome. cool is that? Anything that anything that can kind of modernize and rejuvenate or kind of freshen up with something like that would be really cool. Well, when was the last two way player? Um, I mean, like a legitimate one. Like people, obviously, oh, Rick Ankiel has gone from a, being a hitter to a pitcher, and stuff like that's happened. But I don't remember the last time there was a legitimate guy who would pitch and then go play like outfield for. Darren four days. Dreifert, when he came out of college, was equally a good hitter and. Darren Dreifert was a beast and pitcher. Didn't work out. Didn't work out. Dodgers number two pick. Yeah, I mean, he was really talented. Is that the Darren Erstat year? Was that the same draft where Erstat went one? I don't remember that. And then there was a Phillies player actually that that was a hitter and a pitcher. He tried to did he try to be a a, a hitter after being a pitcher? Yeah. Who was that? So first round draft pick Joe Savory. Joe Savory, yep. Because he was a he was a good hitter too. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, Ankiel did it. I mean, it didn't ultimately work yeah, out. Yeah, Ankiel, I guess is. But he did it. You know, I mean, I think it is doable. It's just. It's hard to do them both at the same time. I mean, there's so much that goes into from a preparation perspective, from a daily. If you're a starting pitcher, you can't I mean. be you can't be playing the outfield. Messing the other around days. playing the outfield, especially because your arm is like or you even need to rest DH. your arm. You even know? at you... DH, maybe an outfielder that was a reliever. Yes, see, would that's work. a different story. Then, then that's like you could stay all in the game. Sudden, that's a huge advantage. You could stay in the game. Exactly. That that, that would be cool. That's what I'm talking you about. You bring in a right fielder who's throwing a hundred and he pitches and the he, eighth or ninth inning, batting in the pitchers. I mean, think about that. That. Like awesome. that's legit. So I think that if we could see specialization go that way, it could be, it could be pretty interesting. Market so, inefficiencies. Yeah, dude, you know that's my <laughs> thing. Uh, well, I guess it's Billy Bean's thing, but I'm jumping on board. Uh, never too late to jump on board. Uh, all right, real quick. Uh, so no on Otani. You think it's unlikely the Phillies uh, really end up being in this thing? Unless they, um, uh, un- unless they had like they're just being really quiet. Quiet and stealth about it. It doesn't seem like it, it's something. Who knows? But it doesn't seem like that they're they're prepared to do that right now. Jack, are the Phillies the mystery team in the Otani <laughs> sweepstakes? Ultimately, no, I really don't think so. Because like they're not going to let him play the outfield or play first base because of Hoskins, unless he's a pitcher only, which I'm perfectly fine with. Yeah, I agree, and I think ultimately, you know. In these situations where they could choose, most of the Japanese guys end up going Yankees, Dodgers, Mariners with those, you know, coastal big cities that have high Asian populations. That just seems, look, it doesn't always happen, but it does seem like more often than not, those end up being the teams that get these big guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right, lastly, before we get out of here, we got to mention, because it's awesome, uh, at least for us here in Philadelphia, the uh, last time, it was like literally like almost right off we got off the air last time doing this podcast. The Braves' penalties come down as the Atlanta Braves get whacked, man. I mean, these are some serious penalties, obviously. Um, Really punitive-type stuff. They lose 12 players, including Kevin Maiton, who's one of the top prospects in baseball. A number of other legitimate, legitimate, legitimate prospects Their their system was insane. Yeah, well, they have the best system in the sport. A lot of people thought it was a big hit. Uh, In addition to this, they are also limited in making international free agent signings of $10,000 or less, which 
You know, we've talked about that. That's the Jose Altuve type moves there. They do matter. Uh, until uh, in the 2019-2020 period, they've also been knocked down to $0 for that period, essentially. Uh, they've also had their pool for 2021 period halved. They've lost a third-round pick in 2018. I mean, these are this is the strongest penalties we have seen come down. I mean, the freaking uh, Astros hacked into the Cardinals <laughs> system and didn't get as many penalties well, as the, the Braves did. I mean, this is a big deal. And the one guy lost uh, got banned from baseball. Their yeah, GM. and then Capella got banned from baseball. I mean, John, you know, obviously, like, the, the damages themselves, but, I mean, for the Phillies, we talked a lot last year about these kind of dueling rebuilds or, or whatever you want to call them, and and the Braves, at least in terms of, of assets, did seem to be out in front of the Phillies. No more. No, and, and my, uh, my, my friend Kevin McAlpin covers the Braves for, um, for their radio down there, and... I texted him and I was like, "Dude," and he's like, "Yeah, I know. It's um it's pretty crazy and they're the organization is getting hammered." So, you know, the, the the Braves the Braves haven't been good in a long time. I mean, they really haven't been good in a long time and they have the farm system to do it, but you wonder with a couple different GMs they've had down there over the course of since Sherholtz really left, um you know, they got some work to do. But yeah, they they you know, they, they thought Bartolo Colon was going to be an answer there down last year and not so much, but yeah, it's just I've never seen anything like that. I mean, we know Pete Rose got banned from baseball. I didn't realize they banned GMs for doing all this all this other crap. It's crazy. As look, as we end the podcast, we get John's diabetes monitor here. Tom Kelly, you're the man. Thank look you. Look at that. Thank you. How about that? Freddie Galvis, true. Thank you. CK yes. saved me. See you, buddy. See, that's bringing it home. Look at that. Wait, How about so that? What, so what happens to the Braves prospects? Or they just go back in the they pool? Are, yeah, they are inter, yeah, in, become free agents. So the well, Phillies, and, and the Phillies definitely interested, I'm sure, in some of these prospects. They have to give up Ronald Asuna. For us, to us. Yeah, well, I mean, it's some legit <laughs> names on the list. Sucre on there. I mean, uh, like legitimate prospects. And obviously, uh, Maiton, the top one there. Uh, Fritz, any thoughts on the uh, Braves' damages before we get out of here? They should have to give Ronald Asuna to us. That's yeah. it. That's all, all right. that matters. Like they should it. have to stop doing the tomahawk chop for yes. the rest of baseball. Well, that should have been banned from baseball. Yeah, yes. that yes. should. Yeah, for for many reasons. Let's <laughs> say that. All right, that's gonna do it for High Hopes episode five and a little shortstop preview. Yeah. Third base preview next week. We'll be back then.